And let's uh, open our Bibles to the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1. I want to show you a verse uh, as, that's very uh, applicable to what we're studying about the spiritual gifts for the edification of the body of Christ. And then we'll pick up where we left off last week. Uh, if you would like to uh, review, you can watch the, uh, the video. But Romans chapter 1, and look at verse 11. Romans 1, verse 11. <clears throat> it says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So look what he said in verse 11. Now, we realize this was in the apostolic times. But he said, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. I pray that we would understand uh, our importance not to be proud or uh, arrogant or haughty, but to have confidence that you've saved us, you've called us, you've given gifts unto men, and every one of us is very important, every one of us is very special, and in order for the church to operate, we need each member in the body to know their gift and to be yielded to the Spirit and be willing to be a minister of the gospel and to be a servant to one another, to dwell in unity, to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens uh, without agenda, uh, no personal goals, but the goal is for the church to be blessed and to grow and to be edified. We yield your spirit that he would reveal these things to us, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is a very short review. The spiritual gifts of the apostolic times were necessary for two things. To prove to Israel that Jesus Christ was their Messiah, the Jews require a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom. That's in 1 Corinthians 1. And then for the edification of the early, early church. So once the Word of God, the complete canon of Scripture was given, this uh, eliminated those apostolic gifts. So they are antique, they are obsolete, they no longer even exist. So this is why in the book of uh, Corinthians, Paul is writing to the carnal Christians. They're not spiritual. They don't understand spiritual gifts. They are abusing spiritual gifts. And so he is teaching them what they're doing wrong, how they're being carnal. And then we find in the book of Romans, 
the gifts that are still in existence today. So we know that God the Father is the head of God the Son, Jesus Christ. He is the head of the church. And then every member of that one body has been given at least one gift. Now, some have two, some have several. Everybody has at least one. So I want to encourage you, uh, know your gift, find out what it is, use it, don't be afraid, have confidence, do it with humility, but uh, God wants to use you and God wants you to be a blessing to the other members in uh, the body of Christ. So Paul is writing this to the Romans. Remember how far this was away from Israel. He said, I wanted to come unto you, but I was let hitherto. In other places, he said, Satan hath hindered me. So he had plans for travel. He wanted to go to Rome and, uh, and give these uh, early Christians um, a gift. Why? So that they would be established, number one. Number two, that fruit would be produced. So this is the importance of spiritual gifts. Every member in the body needs to exercise these gifts so the church can operate, function properly and completely, and the other members in the church can be established. That means built on the foundation of Christ, grow up, have some fortitude, have some conviction. You are growing in grace, building your life, the life of your, uh, your children, your marriage, on that one foundation of Christ, and then fruit uh, will be produced. So this is different than the fruit of the Spirit that each member will produce if they walk in the Spirit. We're talking about each member using its gift for the edification of the other members in the body. So edification means building up, strengthening, encouraging, admonishing, these types of things, building up in the Lord that we would be strong in the power of His might. And, and this is important because you may be, I call it a, a false humility, a false modesty. Uh, someone would say, well, who am I? What could I do? Well, who am I? How could I make a difference? Who am I? How could I contribute? Uh, you're somebody if you're a member in the body of Christ. Don't forget that. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what gender of sex. Doesn't matter your race, your uh, educational background, your culture. Doesn't matter. Whoever you are, if you're a member in the body, the other members need you to exercise um, those gifts. So as we looked at, has nothing to do with talent, has nothing to do with earned skill, has nothing to do with coordination or anything like that, nothing with personality, has nothing to do with personal charisma, has nothing to do with uh, playing an instrument or singing. 
none of these types of things. Anybody can be used of God if you will just yield to Him. And I think some of the, the greatest assets in the church are overlooked or not used because I call it a false humility. You know, and so sometimes, who am I? But are you really being humble or are you being disobedient? That's the question. Are you really being humble or are you possibly being rebellious that you don't want to be a blessing and be used of God? So that's something we should consider. So we're going to pick it up where we left off last week. The first one was prophecy, preaching the word. There is no new revelation. Secondly, um, ministry. And so the ministry is just serving, ministering. So remember when Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying and crying great drops of blood, agonizing over going to the cross. And God sent angels to minister unto him to strengthen him. So this can be done in uh, very uh, various ways. And as we looked at, the word means patient for opportunity. Um, I always say, if you ever need me, hopefully I'll be there. You know, we're on call, whether you realize it or not. 24-7, you're supposed to be on call, patient for opportunity in case somebody in the church needs you to be a blessing. If we saw it that way, rather than going off, being uh, selfish and isolated, you know, uh, the old saying, most independent Baptists are so independent, they're independent from God. Uh, you know, I, and I know how we're all independent, and we like that. But we have a responsibility to uh, use our gifts. So let's look then at Romans 12. And this gives us, in the Paulinian doctrine or the theology of the New Testament church, which God or Christ personally taught him, and he was entrusted with it, these then are the gifts that still remain. So look at chapter 12 and uh, look at, we'll pick it up in verse 7. We looked at ministry. It says, our ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Now I'll say it again. Maybe something hasn't come up recently. All right. It will come up. Be patient. Be there. It will come up. Look for the opportunity and a lot of people, they'll say, well, nobody cares. I don't feel welcome. I hear the, nobody loves me or, you know, no, look for the opportunity. Don't look for somebody to minister to you. You look for somebody to go help. And so what do we have that's so important with this initiative? Look for what needs to be done. Don't wait to be asked or told. Do it yourself. Go look for something that needs to be done. Wait on the ministry. It'll change your whole outlook on life. So the next one is teaching. Uh, teaching. And that's very important in verse 7 on our ministry. Let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. So this goes along with patient opportunity, wait for the opportunity. Uh, 
Now, there are what we would call official positions. You know, you could become a Sunday school teacher. You could become a children's church teacher or preacher or worker. You could give the principal, uh, are you, Friday nights. You would teach. Uh, do you teach all the time? No, nobody does. Do you teach every time the church assembles? Not everybody. It, it could happen on the Lord's Day. But we are to be patient and wait on the opportunity. What, what I've noticed is when you're really aware, God will tell you what to say. And it doesn't have to be in an in a, in official teaching setting. It doesn't have to be in a Sunday school class or, say, at the assisted living, you're giving the Bible study, or whatever the situation is. You might have what somebody else needs to learn. You might be the person. You might have experienced it. You've already gone through it. God has taught you what to do. You have the answer. Wait with patience on the opportunity. So what I find is, well, I just, there's not enough room for me. You know, I've heard that before. Uh, it is, I just see, don't see where I fit in. No, everybody fits in. And if you have the gift of teaching, and by the way, every parent ought to be a teacher. That's where a lot of people are going wrong. You know, I've observed that recently. Boy, they don't teach, a lot of people don't teach their kids anything. They don't know manners. They don't know etiquette. They don't know protocol. They, they're not appropriate. It's just absolutely unbelievable what's going on in America where babies are having babies and raising babies and then they turn it over to their grandma and then, hey, I already did my job. But, uh, uh, you know, a parent is supposed to be a teacher. So, and by the way, a pastor has to be a pastor teacher. You can't be a pastor unless you have the gift of teaching. And so I know what some of you are saying. What are you doing up there? Uh, you, you don't have the gift. But if you're a teacher, so what does that mean? You have in a special way a gift from God to obtain knowledge, ascertain the knowledge, and in a way to communicate that, in a way to where if the student will apply themselves they can retain it. And not only retain it, they will recall it when they need it. So what does the Bible say? Train up a child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. it I've heard people say, well, what that means is they'll go through their uh, rebellious teenage years, they'll backslide, and someday they'll come back. No. It's when they get old, they won't leave it. If you train them right and, and they grow up in the Lord, it will become a part of what they believe and their uh, convictions. They won't depart from it. So everybody, I always say this, and I don't know where I heard it, every man is my teacher. I can, you can learn something from everybody. I don't care who they are. I'm always trying to learn from people. It doesn't matter how old they are, what gender of sex. They, they know something I don't know. 
There is safety in a multitude of counselors. Everybody. You know, I wish I could take the time to tell you what I learned on uh, in my trip to Austin, but I was trying to get some really good stop tips for us, but I think I will get them. But uh, I met a man who's a computer genius, uh, moved from Connecticut to Austin for the, uh, the tech. You know how it is. It's tech. It's high tech. Well, anyway, they're developing um, the quantum processor. It's absolute unbelievable. So you have quantum physics. That's where you can transcend time and space and go. Th uh, quantum computers is, this is the race to win the cyber war. And he said China has hired thousands of people from other countries because they steal the technology. That's how they get everything. And the U.S. government has turned this over as a competition to see who can get there first. And this will, they will be able to encrypt any encryption, just, I mean, you can't even say, and uh, this is going on, whoever gets it first will own every piece of information in the whole world. This, I mean, you're talking about satellites, spaceships, uh, uh, you know, all the high-tech weaponry, it's absolute, we're there. And this is it. Uh, the mark of the beast is, is right in front of us. Uh, so every man can be your teacher, but in the body of Christ, what do you know that you could teach somebody else? Everybody knows something. So it's, it's nothing to be proud about, but you ought to be humble and be available. Wait on the opportunity. Don't have this false humility. Uh, no, you can teach somebody something. All right, the next one. Let's keep reading there. And the next one is exhortation. So look at verse 8. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. Now this is the same um, continued thought process, patience with opportunity, wait for the time of exhortation. And so the word exhort, it is a spiritual gift and an empowerment and emboldening to stir people up to do the will of God, to challenge them to do the will of God. And even the word charge them to do the will of God for their life, and it not everybody has it. Now, you could have somebody who doesn't have this call somebody daily, say, you know, I've really been praying for you. You need to get right. And they could write them letters. They could uh, send them an email. Oh, boy. Send them a text. They could regularly and then there could be somebody else who has the gift and just walk up and you say, you know what, I've been thinking about you. You've been, you need to get right with God and something would happen inside of them and they would get exhorted. Exhortation. This is what we need. I need it. Uh, we all need each other. Who has the gift? Find out. Are you the one? And, and so I'm, I don't take anything personal. You know, like, Brother Ramirez praying for his family. Uh, it, 
who cares who helps them as long as somebody helps them? You know, well, I'll be the one. Well, maybe I can't do it. Maybe you can do it. Maybe somebody we don't even think of could do it. It's not personal. And so too many people get their feelings hurt. I don't know why they take this like a competition or something. Well, they can do this or I can't do that or why are they... It's not personal. It's a gift of God. It says he severally, as he will, gives us these gifts. I don't, you know, I would, I pray for the power to win souls. You know, I try, I, I hope. It doesn't matter to me who wins them. Somebody, just go win them. You know, you can win somebody. I can't win. Everybody can exhort somebody. The other person can't. And so, remember, a prophet is not without honor, saving his own country. Now, I'm not equating us to prophets. I have noticed this. Sometime a family member will drive them further away. You know, we've all seen this. You know, I'll get them right. I'll tell them what. I'll straighten them out. And then what happens? They just get mad, bow up, and... And then here comes a total stranger they've never met before who would say the same thing, and they'll listen to them. So to me, it doesn't matter to me if, who, who does it as long as God does it through somebody. We're all in this together. You know, that would be like, you know, uh, your left hand's hurt, and he's going, well, I only want the thumb and the pointer finger to help me out, or I'm not going to receive it. You know, I don't think your left hand cares if it's your ring finger or pinky or your middle finger as long as it gets some help. Uh, so this is why we're always talking about pride, competition, envy, strife, jealousy. It is not personal. All that matters, I hope they get saved. Uh, and I hope the members in the body get exhorted. All right, let's look. Uh, the next one is giving, giving. Uh, so look what it says, middle of verse 8. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Now, we are all supposed to give. We are all supposed to tithe. We are all supposed to give offerings above the tithe. But there are certain members who have a special gift of giving. And to them, it just comes natural. It's easy. They don't look at it as a sacrifice. They don't look at it as they're losing. It's more natural for them. Um, and so for some people, it's a struggle. Everything they look at is, well, can I afford this? Or, you know, it, it's, they still do it, but it's not a gift and then you will find others the natural thing for them to do is give to help to serve to uh, go out of their way and it is not a struggle so don't point the finger at somebody who may not have the gift of giving and you might have the gift of giving and they may not have it well God decided who gets the gift. I'm not judging what you have. Don't judge what somebody else has. We should all dwell together in uh, 
unity. So, and it doesn't matter how much you give. Remember what Jesus said. Remember with the widow or put her two mites in the, and she said, Jesus said, she hath given more than all these rich people put together. It's, it's the percentage you give and how you give. It's not how much you give. So, you know, I knew a multimillionaire. He wouldn't tithe, but if the air conditioner went out, he'd give a big check. You know, look, uh, that doesn't impress God at all. Then you have somebody doesn't have much money, and they may give 50 bucks. That's a lot. It's not how much. It's everything is relative. Everything is relative. So... Uh, do you have the gift of giving? All right, the next one, ruling. Well, I wish some parents would get this one, ruling. Uh, so it says, he that uh, ruleth with diligence. Diligence. So diligence means you take it seriously, you do the best you can with the spirit of excellence, and you have this ability to organize and manage. And you have this ability, maybe with uh, accounting or numbers, and you have a gift, and other people don't even know that two plus two equals five. I'm just saying if you're listening. They, they don't have this. So have you ever noticed uh, opposites attract, but... Some of the most organized people are married to some of the most unorganized people. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I got to have it this way and that and that and that. And then the other person, they don't care. And, and they don't even consider what the other person is trying to organize uh, because they don't have that gift. It's, and so don't look down on somebody who does and some people are control addicts or whatever you call it control freaks they micromanage you know that's the way to get in big trouble if you have the gift of ruling and you try to micro put it on a boy just watch what happens you can't force your gift on them uh, they don't have it so let, always let them it's not personal you know, but you could do better in all these areas, right? Everybody could do a little better. But uh, so people in the church, some people are better at organization. Um, they're better at planning. They're better at promotions. They're better at that. It comes natural. It's it's. And so is it a, is it their personality or their education or is it a spiritual gift? That's a problem, see, because I've seen some people, that's just who they are, and it's not a gift, and it's, it's rather annoying. You know, we, we want spiritual gifts, not your personality brought into it. So God will show you what gift do you have. Uh, I remember when we were in college, you know, we had to take personal finance. We, we were taught how to balance a checkbook, how to balance... Uh, uh, your bank statement, there were preachers, this is true, there was, a, I don't remember how many, like 
2,000 preachers in the school. They thought as long as you had checks, you could write them out and go spend it. And these are grown men. Yeah, we'll try that one. Uh, uh, they had to be taught. You had to have the money in the bank, and this is just legal tender to cover what's supposed to be in the bank. Uh, I don't know how they were going to rule. Uh, they better get somebody that can rule financially. And, you know, you know, this is like maybe a husband and wife. One of them ought to be given the checkbook. The other one doesn't know. They're not very good at money. Man, it's quiet in here. We don't take it personal. Maybe one person is better than the other. Are you, are you a team? Do you love each other? Or are you going to argue? Who has the gift to rule? And, and some people are tougher with the kids and the other's a pushover. You know, the other one ought to back up the tough one instead of picking fights. Boy, this is good stuff. This will save you a lot of arguments and headaches and marital trouble. Who has the gift? Who does not have the gift? Exercise the gift. If you don't have it, receive the gift. It's pretty simple. All right. The, uh, the next one, we're, we're going to run out of time here, is uh, mercy. Mercy. So look what it says at the end of verse 8. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So by truth and mercy, iniquity is purged. Now, we ought to all be merciful. We ought to all be kind. But only certain members have the gift of mercy. So are you going to, how hard on somebody should you be? How should you drop the hammer? How strict should you be with somebody? Because sometimes everybody is too strict, and then the person with mercy needs to be kind and forgiving and compassionate and be more merciful. So... Do you have the gift of mercy? Some people have no mercy. Well, that's it. Hang them. You know, and then, but some people, they're merciful to everything. You know, it's a rattlesnake, scorpion, you know. No. Uh, know when to be merciful, and this is uh, a gift. So, once again, don't take it personal. This is given by the will of God as he chooses. So we will most likely, Lord willing, uh, conclude this next week on learning how to know what your gift is. So to conclude for the evening, know the gifts that no longer exist. They're in Corinthians. They're carnal. The word of God replaced it. Secondly, know the gifts that are still in existence. Romans chapter um, 12. And so this follows the famous verse, I beseech you uh, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect acceptable will of God, which is your reasonable service. How are you going to get reasonable service? You're going to have to know the gifts be around the other members that exercise their gift. 
and don't take it personal. It's not personal. All right, let's stand. Sorry if it got.